G'day, lads. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of Funky Baz and Face. Pretty excited about tonight. We've got a special guest, which I think Baz is a little bit nervous, actually, Face. That special guest he's growing up with this guy. It's clearly the most uh, organised and coordinated podcast, episode 11 of Funky Baz Face, I've ever seen Baz put some effort into, probably since well, Mr. Chrome's Chicken Days at Burton High School. Yeah, well, I've just uh, finished my Goody Saints under 10 boys <laughs> and uh, last training session tonight. So, they were, uh, yeah, it was a bit sad for our last training session, but ready for our last game. It's been a great year, so, but we'll talk more about that once uh, we don't have the great man. Bring our guest in, Bazza. So, we are very excited tonight to have um, our special guest. Uh, I went to high school with this boy and we, we met up in year eight. Eight two was our home for me. <laughs> And he, he stood about four foot ten inches. He was skinny as a rake. He had snowy blonde hair. And uh, I don't think his hair, hairstyle ever changed uh, throughout high school. And I speak none other than Scott Burns. Welcome, Burnsy. How are you going, lads? Now, who's, who's who? Baz? Obviously, no Baz. What are the other nicknames? Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got Spunky and Face. See, he's not, it's quite ironic that he's Spunky because I'm not sure how he got that name. How did you get that name? Uh, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, and obviously, yeah, uh, very good. Yeah, and Face Boys. Uh, well, Scotty used to be good looking back in his younger days, <laughs> but not that much anymore. Well, oh, very good. thanks for having us. Thanks for coming on our show. No, easy, just sitting at home here, taking it easy, quiet night at home. So, turn down the footy show to come on and talk to you boys, which is great. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, you, do you think we'll be as good as uh, Mick and, uh, and those lads? But probably not. But um, well, you probably got more ratings than the footy show. So, yeah, yeah, yeah they're struggling. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, but it, uh, obviously, I did go to school with you, which um, yeah, we had a fantastic group together, didn't we, back in the Burble days? And um, then obviously, you moved on to Nord. Played underage footy there, and um, there was a little incident which uh, I'm not sure if you remember. But when you um, when I made my debut for Centrals, and um, it was almost it was always my dream to play at Centrals. And then uh, obviously you were playing for Nord. We were best mates at school. And then in my first game, the ball was in the middle, and uh, you took me out and broke, broke my collarbone. What do you? Yeah. <laughs> You were very unlucky that day. Well, I didn't know I'd broken it until I rocked up on Monday. I knew, I knew you were sore until you came with um, the arm in a sling. And um, I've never seen – you weren't too bad, but I remember there was about eight or ten girls that were just giving me filthy looks all day and were into me. Um, well, we were yeah, never was... popular with the girls, mate, were we? We never The girls never really into us much, were they, at school? I'll well, speak for yourself, Matt. But um... <laughs> I like how you said that you're actually best mate. So because, uh, I wonder if Lindsay thinks that you're best mate. Oh, we, we were pretty tight, weren't we, Bernsey? He was tight with Mark Eichler, I believe. Yeah. yeah this, 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 is, this is this is Matt, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, no, I remember that day. I, I can remember it really easily. Still, it was um, on the far side, Elizabeth Abelman. I remember thinking, I don't want to hit you, Matt. Look up, look up, look up, get out the way. So I sort of actually eased up a little bit. So uh, I remember seeing your mum afterwards too when I was trying to apologise to your mum. And as your, as your mum does, she was, oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. That's okay. 
Uh, if it was the other way around, I reckon if he went through me and broke my collarbone, my mum would have killed you, I reckon. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a bit scared yeah. of losing at times. Yeah. But um, uh, mum still says that I, I could have been uh, playing AFL footy and uh, wicketkeeper for Australia if uh, you didn't do that. So, yeah, um, yeah, she's not uh, – yeah, don't feel bad about that, Bernsey. No, well, that's what drove me. I mean, I should have been finished after five or six years, but I kept giving you in the back of my mind, thought I was playing for two people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, um, but obviously from after that, then you went into the league side, which would have been great with um, Macca and, and uh, who else was around those, those uh, uh, times. Yeah, actually, we're speaking about this. Um, no, I'm not doing that level four course with the AFL now with the coaching, and um, John Buchanan's my mentor. And when we were talking about um, just um, the, the levels underneath the, the elite level, so level underneath AFL, level underneath Australian cricket and state cricket. So we're talking about SNFL, Waffle, football, and we're talking about district cricket, trying to have – to be really strong competitions, you need good 25, 28-year-old senior players to play in those competitions. Yeah. Um, and I was really lucky because we, we spoke about my Nord days, um, and I had – like you're saying, I had um, Gary McIntosh, I had Michael Ash, I had Keith Thomas, um, Tom Warhurst, I think, was still there at, at that stage. Um and there's a heap of others as well. Craig Barm, I'm probably forgetting a lot. A lot of others that were still there, but there were some really good, strong senior players. Uh, Neil Craig was coach. He drove the standards and uh, no doubt helped you along the way. So that, that was really fortunate for myself to have that. Where you get some of those SNFL or Waffle teams or even the VFL teams now, and you can nearly have hardly anyone over 24, 25. They can nearly all be younger than that. Uh, yeah. So I felt at that point in time, it was a, it was a transition period. So the Crows come in in 91. This was around 91, 2, 3, 4, through, through that era there. So there was still a lot of those good old SNFL players that still stuck around and, and kept playing. Have you noticed the uh, Nord boys are uh, braining it this year? They've won 12 or 13 in a row? Yeah, I do. Well, the good thing now is is that at Hawthorne, I've got little Poppy to talk to um, there all the time yeah. about Nord. And and the, we're keeping each other up to date now and again. We As, as we do, we get busy with our, with our own things and... Um, it's every three or four weeks you check up or you hear something. But, yeah, no, I've, I've heard they're going really well, So, um, which is good for them because they've had a, a really strong period, haven't they, really, for the last eight to ten years there now. So uh, there might have been one or two years they, they weren't quite as good, but um, they've certainly been successful. It's, um, it's it's still pleasing. You still have an attachment to them, even though I haven't been back there for so long. Um, you still um, want them to do well. And how you touched on the Hawks, mate. How are they going? I mean, we just think of you as a Collingwood man through and through. Um, but how are the Hawks going? It must be a, a massive change for you. It'd probably be a bit, in, bit weird for you when you play Collingwood, and I don't know how you think about that, but, it, you know, if I was coaching against Barossa, it would be a bit weird for you. Um, how, how are the Hawks going? Yeah, we're uh, starting to get things on track a little bit. We've, um, what was it, we've won the last four now, I think. We had two big weeks in um, Essendon and Geelong, which, you know, they flip the coin games can go either way, and we're lucky enough to come... Uh, to come out on top. Um, look, our, our record against the top eight teams, top nine teams, is pretty solid. With I think Geelong and ninth, we're, we're about five four against those better teams, and um, so you know we're we're competitive with. Hey, yeah. You there? You there, mate? Yep, here, mate. Yeah, so sorry, mate. We just uh, had a bit of a uh, yeah, drop out there, but um, how is it playing? How is it coaching against? Uh, Collingwood, do you feel any any uh, weirdness there, or has that sort of gone over the last year or so? After the yeah, West- not 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 really, because um, we we played them round one. I got asked that by a few people round one, but 
it, it's funny when you said earlier, you just, uh, obviously with myself and, you know, played at Collingwood a long time, you associate me with Collingwood, but as a coach, um, my first five years were at West Coast and from yeah. a coaching point of view, I see myself more as um, a little bit of West Coast in me because that's where I got my um, grounding, got my start. I, I was lucky with yeah. with John Worsfold, Neil Denneher and Phil Walsh. They were the three that really took me under their wing and, and helped me out there. And, and I came back to Collingwood, which was great for four years. And But now there's another opportunity to, um, you know, work under, um, you know, one of the the all-time, uh, will go down as one of the all-time great modern-day coaches in, in Alistair Clarkson. And, uh, and once again, really lucky to work with people that are around in, in Brett Ratton and a few of those boys that have coached your own team. So you're always learning and um, and experiencing, uh, I guess, or hearing different stories and, and what, what they've been through, what's worked, what hasn't. And it's, um, I guess it develops you along the way as well, personally. Bertie, can you give us an insight into some of those people that you mentioned there? Like some incredible names, like Phil Walsh. Um, when his name is mentioned here in South Australia, he's revered, really, Um when he was the coach here of the Crows, people just really gravitated everything he said and obviously the tragedy after that. But um, Clarkson, as you said, would probably go down as one of the best ever. Um, Buckley, Warsfold, you've got Danaher, Ratton as well. Who are the ones yeah. that you've really learnt from and, and what are the things that you take away from working with them? I think the, the two, you, well, not the two, the, the, the ones you probably learn from the most aren't necessarily the senior coaches because they're that flat out. You're sort of sitting there watching and listening really intently. So I'm looking at Wish all the time, listening, how he's working in the box, what he's saying to players. Same with Buckley, same with Clarkson. Uh, mm. But for me, the two, uh, I'll say three, because the two early days were were, were Phil Walsh and Danaher because uh, I was working alongside Walshy, so we were next to each other all the time. So he, his work ethic's contagious. His passion for the game was contagious. Um, that was really beneficial for me. But then at the same time, Neil was the general manager. So he he's actually um, helping me out with things away from football. So not just – so I had Phil Walsh talking about game plans, tactics, um, training, um, you know, what's happening in America with sports. Neil, on the other hand, was talking about how to, to deal with board, how you're going to have all these questions thrown at you from, from supporters or from members and, um, you know, big, big – Supporters and members are throwing a lot of money in in certain areas. How do you approach that? Um, he'd look at my delivery style more to players and other coaches as well. So he, he was looking at more my management side of things. Phil was more football and coaching. And then when I get to Hawthorne, because Ratton has coached senior football as well, um, just just the stories that he has, what he's been through, what's worked, what hasn't. Um, once again, I'm sitting right next to Brett all day. So you're getting these stories daily. Um, and I'll say a few things that through my experience as coaching or as a player. And, oh, that reminds me, this happened here. So mm. uh, be careful of that. Watch that. That really works, I reckon. Didn't work for that kid, but it worked for this kid. Um, so there's there's just all these little bits of information you get along the way. And, and you assess it. You take little bits and pieces out, which really resonate with you. But uh, I reckon they're the three people that are... Bernsey, I don't know if you've been on open mic, mate. I don't think you have, but I don't reckon Mike Sheehan has a technical uh, difficulties that sitting in uh, my lounge on a Thursday night. But uh, we're persevering, going pretty well. We talk about Phil Walsh. Um, one of the things that I picked up from him, he seems famous for uh, he was famous for his routine. I think he used to get up at four o'clock in the morning and get on the treadmill, and he, he was um, he talked about the ten thousand hours principle for of mastering a particular skill. Can you give us a bit of an insight into his thinking? 
Oh yeah, look, look, there's no doubt he, he's just such a driven individual in that sense. Like, yeah, there's no no doubt he certainly uh, looked after himself. He got out and about with exercise or surfing whenever he could. Um, yeah, uh, look, just he just always had his fingers on the pulse. It, it didn't matter whether it was AFL, um, you know, our club, other clubs. Um, he, he knew what was going on. He. He'd, he'd fly from Perth to watch games from opposition teams all the time. Um, then all of a sudden, two hours later, he's also talking about something that's happened in America with a basketball team or something over there as well. He's a very, very smart man, um, very knowledgeable man. Since he was a teacher originally as well, so he he uh, he, he certainly um, he could talk to all sorts of people. So he'd get the doc come down, obviously with his degrees, and they'd talk about a whole range of things that would be over my head. Um, then at the same time, he'd, he'd get the uh, the trainer coming in who's just a part-time trainer that um, may be working down the road as, as, as a labourer or something during the day and, and hit it off with him too and have a really good conversation. So his, his skills in being able to talk to, to individuals, um, um, I guess, through, through different aspects or, or different terms of education or where they're at in life was, was one thing that really stood out to me. He, uh, he definitely appealed to us as Crow fans, and that was something that was new for us, uh, being supporters. But um, Burnsy, obviously being from progressing from player to coach, who do you see from being at West Coast and Collingwood, now Hawthorne, as progressing to the, the next level as uh, assistant and senior coaches going forward? It's a really hard one because there's not one size um, that, that fits all. There, there's so many different types of people. If you... If you look at the senior coaches now, you'll get those ones that look really serious. You get the ones that are a little bit more jovial. Um, uh, you'll get the ones that look like they, they really care and they want to develop young kids. You'll get the other ones that look like they're the harder taskmasters that are going to be more based on discipline. So they're all different. Um, I've worked with a lot of good people. Justin Longmuir is one at West Coast who, who's finished his level four now as well. Um, from all reports from the boys, I still speak to at Collingwood's going very well there. Um, and then from from Collingwood, there was um, obviously Brenton Sanderson had coached uh, Robert Harvey, who, who's been around for quite a while. He's got a very good, uh, I'll say, manner about him too. He, he's a deep thinker. Um, he's got a really good ability to talk to to a whole range of people as well, form strong relationships. Um, and then at Hawthorne now, I've been been really impressed with Adam Uzo, who, who's a borderline coach at, at Hawthorne. I think um, yep. he really sees the game well. Um, and, and it's, you know, we talk about coaches, old, old style coaches when we were growing up are the ones that were really hard task masters, hard task masters and uh, quite aggressive with the way they spoke to people and demanded uh, you know, physical acts or desperation, those sorts of things. But the ability now for, for the modern day coach to be able to communicate, discuss um, different ideas, thoughts, philosophies with not only players but other coaches as well. Um, and get everybody thinking that they've got buy-in are the ones that are more than likely going to be successful. And uh, I think those ones that I've um, just brought up, the three or four, have certainly got that with them. They bring that to the table. Obviously, he's opposition uh, this year for you, but you must be pleased the way that um, Buckley's turned Collingwood around this year and the performances they've been able to back up and, and really uh, look like their contenders probably against against the Hawks uh, in 2018. Yeah, they've been they've been really impressive. I mean, every game you go watch them, if I watch them on TV or watch them live, mm. they're just so consistent. You know what we're going to get. There's going to be massive pressure. There's a bit of excitement from from the back line. They're taking the game on more there, which is good. And 
The forward line now, it's really interesting because when we played them around one, it had uh, Ben Reed, Mason Cox in that um, forward line. And, and through injuries, I think it's nearly helped them in some ways because they've only had Mason and everything else around them has been small and quite dynamic, whether it's Hoskin Elliott or the young Stevenson. Joshy Thomas is having a great year. Varco's there. Jordan. Okay, mate. We've had a few <laughs> sessions here, but uh, you've given us some gold. So, mate, um, I, I do want to bring this up, which may be a little bit painful for you. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. But how, do you still think about the the grand final losses to Brisbane? Uh, yeah, now and again. I mean, uh, it's one of the things that Mick always used to say as well, Michael Oldhouse, was that... Um, you you always enjoy the grand finals, but the losses you'll never forget. There'll be, mm. and there are. He's right. There, there's a couple of things in the game that I that I'll always remember. That shit, maybe if I did that a little bit better, that ball wouldn't have gone back there, and they wouldn't have scored at that point in time. Um, the O two one was a really close one, so that was really hard to take. We weren't expected to win, no. but um, at the end of the day, I think fifteen or twenty minute mark of the last quarter, we're in front, um, and and the boys kicked last two goals, Brisbane boys, but. The next year, everyone forgets we were actually favourites going into that 0-3 one. We'd had a, yeah. a rip in the last 14 weeks. I think we won 13 out of 14. Uh, we beat Brisbane in the um, qualifying final down at the MCG that year as well. Um, and they, uh, Sydney had them done and dusted at three-quarter time um, in the prelim, and they overran them late. Um, at three-quarter time, we're thinking we're playing Sydney, and, and all of a sudden, Brisbane are back into it. And... They had a great first quarter, which was um, we just couldn't get back into it that day. So, had my two opportunities. Um, but the, the other one that's a bit disappointing is 07 when we come storming home against Geelong in a prelim. Yeah. They, they were a better team, but geez, we, we had some really good final series. We beat West Coast in overtime over there that um, had won it the year before, um, lost by five points to Geelong, and felt like we only needed another 90, 90 seconds or so to, to get that last goal and uh, couldn't quite get it. And uh, Port made the grand final that year, of course, but. Um, you know, we would have backed ourselves at the MCG against Port, I would have thought, that year. No, that's, yeah, very good, mate. Um, and that 2002 year for you was probably your best ever, you think? I mean, you kicked a lot of goals that year for a... Um, um, for a, a oh, no, it was, yeah, the 03 one was was the one that was a little bit better. The 02 was an interesting one because 01, I, I did my hamstring five times, same one. Yeah. And I was really battling. I didn't know where I was at. I thought, geez, I could be finished here at 25 and... I got wow. through O two, uh, and I still didn't train that well. I could, I still had doubts in my head with it. Uh, I managed to play, I think, all the games, and, and played mainly as a run with player in the midfield more than, um, I guess, as a, as a more of a just a, a ball getting midfielder. And then had the preseason the next year, and I yeah, got into O three um, feeling pretty fit again, and, and was able to let down a little bit more. So, yeah, the O two two one was great, and that's when Paul Curie was just so hard at it inside. So. I was obviously working with him pretty closely too, and we just had a heap of competitors everywhere. That um, and there was talent. Don't get me wrong; there was a fair bit of talent. We're, there's a lot of blokes in those teams that played 200 games of AFL footy because we had Leon Davis and Josh Fraser and Alan Didac and uh, Benny Johnson, Reece Shaw. There was a lot of young blokes there that only played probably 40, 50 games at that point in time, but they were pretty good players at the end of their career. Well, mate, um, yeah, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on. We've uh, Hopefully we can put all those segments together. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've had a sensational career and probably which uh, you know, the boys think that I don't, you know, we're not mates and that, but <laughs> what, uh, what I love about you is you haven't changed from the day that you were a snowy-haired, you know, four-foot-ten skinny kid in, in year eight. You're exactly the same bloke. I think if I had the success 
uh, you did. I'd probably be a prick, but uh, you, you, uh, you are a great man, and um, yeah, always give time to us, uh, us idiots back in Adelaide. So um, thank you, mate. And the, the next step for you is going to be we're going to follow up with interest in what uh, in what happens. And thanks a lot for your time tonight on Funky Baz and Face. No worries. Thanks, boys. Thanks, thanks, thanks mate. mate. See you, mate. See you, mate. Well, fascinating insight into uh, fascinating insight into uh, speaking to Scott Burns. I learned a lot from that, and uh, I love the names that he just dropped as well about the, the people that he's worked with and the influence that has on his coaching career and just him personally. Just be fascinating. So it's, it's a great insight. Sensational. Yep. Very different start to episode eleven, uh, Funky and Baz, but uh, how. Brilliant was that to have Burnsy join us yes. um, as our local legend. He was a local yeah. legend, yes. Yep. Yep. I used to uh, obviously play against him. Caught him out for a duck once uh, in cricket, Burwood versus uh, Barossa. And in second slip, just dove across, caught him out for a duck, and uh, that was their team gone, because that's all he, they had was S. Burns. <laughs> yeah, I noticed you didn't mention that when he was actually no, talking no, to us. The Burnwood no, no. footy team, the cricket team, only had Scott Burns as like, <laughs> the right. key player, like number three batsman who used to open the bowling. And he always used to rock up late, so the team thought they were done for. Yeah. Burnsy rocks up, they're Burn, saved. But Burnsy's here. Burnsy's yep. here. So, yep. so that, that was a great insight. So we're going to go uh, straight back into our uh, normal show. We've got Would You Rather, Baz's Bacon, Twitter of the Week, of course. Twitter of the Week, he's under pressure. He needs to lift his game. He needs to lift his game. He's got the <clears throat> Detroit Pistons or whatever top it's called. It's number one. Number one. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, a, I'm a little bit nervous about Tweet of the Week, boys. Uh, the last few weeks uh, has been stenchy a little bit, so I'm a bit concerned, but I hope um, tonight just uh, gives you a few giggles. We've got a few uh, bit of feedback about my breathing. Uh, apparently I'm breathing too hard. Yeah, I think that feedback came from the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we've got our first troll, mate. We've got our first troll here, uh, Tickle. You're right, we won't mention this, but the fact that we've got a troll, that's almost like yeah, a that. measure we, of success. Yeah, we made yeah. it, I think, now. Yeah. Kane Corns gets a lot of trolls, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. And we've got some feedback into a Would You Rather, uh, Vincent Kane. So well done to Vincent Kane. Um, with Burnsy coming up, I think we had Collingwood Football Club like our tweets face. So yep. Yeah, the footy club and a lot of their supporters, obviously, Burnsy's made an impact at that club for many years and um, clearly the love that um, the supporters still have for him. And we've got a new uh, listener, which is actually not new. He's been listening for quite a while. We didn't realise is Brent Ritchie. He's, a, uh, he's listened to all of our episodes. So uh, welcome, a belated welcome to you. Uh, he's an avid West Coast, fierce West Coast um, supporter, member, loves them, which the grand final reckons he's going to the grand final this year uh, so we'll good see good footballer too mm. guys, apparently oh, do you reckon he's related to oh, that's know. what he told me anyway yeah I, I saw him play you know <laughs> yeah. hard worker um, yeah. sort of your nuggety type yeah is he related to Greg Ritchie well that, that'd be a great get that would be the hammer coat yes that would be very good so boys I'm going to crack straight into uh, would you rather I've got a it's a little bit stuck for content here so you might critique <laughs> these but let's see how you go would you rather put your house on Melbourne winning a final in the 2018 final series or Geelong? Jeez, you'd want to be renting, I'll wouldn't you? I'll tell you what, I've, I've bet my house a lot of these podcasts and a lot of them has been around Melbourne, but I think the players and the star power that Geelong have, you'd back it over the Melbourne um, players and their... And their um, uh, inexperience in final series at this point in time. I, I would want not want to be betting my house at all right, on any <laughs> either of those teams. Yeah. I think they're both struggling, aren't they? I think but they are struggling, but a terrible I, loss. I, I might not make it yet. I wouldn't be surprised 
you can see the one of them winning a final though. If they get there, I wouldn't be surprised. Like if you were playing a final and you got that um, midfield that Geelong have, they get they. Hawkins got a Wednesday. massive chance of winning a final. Hawkins up forward. Um, Melbourne have got some X factor, but they just haven't put it together yet. But losing it, Hogan helped, hurts them down forward. It so. is a tough call. I'll probably mm. go. I'm going to go for Geelong because I'm going to go back on their experience, experience and their star factor, but yeah. not with any certainty. And like you, I think you're right. You probably want to be renting. Um, <laughs> would you rather be faced with the option of the Crows folding or merging with Port Adelaide? Oh, that's a great would you rather. Is that your would you rather? Yeah, that is my oh, would you rather. That's a great would you rather. I This is going to surprise you, but I would actually rather uh, merge with the pan. Yes. <laughs> and I'd be hugging blokes with no teeth. I'd be, you know, we'd be chanting as one, you know, we fly as one. What, what, what would our colours be? Yeah. Oh, it'd be great. We'd all be one big happy family, wouldn't we? Koshi would be our president. Oh, yeah, that'd, that'd be, be great. great. Actually, it wouldn't be that good, actually. <laughs> Face, what would you do? Fold or port? <clears throat> Uh, given the feedback I received last week about my port bashing in, in Tweet of the Week, I'll probably still fold, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going with uh, Port Adelaide. Yeah, and in fact, Adelaide. I'm <laughs> heading down to Port Adelaide Football Club tomorrow night. Zara's Quest. No. Good mate, Ross Waite, General Manager of Community Football at Port Adelaide. He does an absolute cracking job. Is he an avid, funky base? He also base. listens, and he said to me last week, Cracking uh, work, funky bears and face. Why like haven't we given him any love, Ross? Well, Wade. we're giving Ross Wade. He's a very good-looking man, Ross he's, Wade. He's, he's got cracker. very big guns, but he he is a very good man. Um, I think he's allowed to say he's a good-looking man. I think the face <laughs> is getting a, a little bit. I tell you what, there's, there's a high protocol on this yeah. on this show on yeah. the funky bears and face. But, <laughs> but Roscoe's an absolute cracker. Um, heading down there with Brizzy tomorrow, and a, a great cause about domestic violence and raising awareness and money for that. Also trekking Kokoda as well, Roscoe. So uh, he good luck. and a few mates. So. So Are you quest. donating to that too? I uh, bought some tickets. Oh, very so good. I started. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's a, that's a good start. Enjoy. Um, Vincent Kane, I think he's a mate with uh, Baza here. Yes. His would you rather? Which footy career would you rather? Chris Judd, two Brownlows and a premiership, or Luke Hodge, two Norm Smiths and four-time premiership player. I love this would you rather. This is a, a would you rather for the ages. And, and the reason why it is is because early on, there would not be a soul in Australia that would have picked Hodge. Everyone would have picked Judd. Judd. And then as time's gone on, and I'm talking a long time, six, seven, eight years, everybody, I don't know anyone that would pick Judd unless unless you guys do. But I, everyone, Hodge is just the ultimate professional in what he does and obviously not now he's a bit long on the tooth but he's won flags he's your hard man and it's all about flags and and he has won them and that's why i know that judge won one but everyone would would be picking uh, yeah, Hodge. it's, it's yeah. uh, individual glory versus team glory and the ability for him to stand up on the biggest uh, stage of the season uh for in an afl season is uh, massive to do it twice norm smith twice four flags You'd, you'd pick that career, although two Charlies hanging around your neck would be handy. Two Norm Smiths stack up very nicely, yeah. don't they? Oh, yeah, very good. Brilliant. I'm going there too. And a couple of quick would you rathers as per last week. This is an interesting one. Would you rather Motlop or Polak? Oh, well, that's that. Polak. Polak. Motlop's been terrible this year for court, unless. So there's a, there's a reason why I'm asking you that one, is yeah. because with Jared Polak coming in, is probably because there's salary cap um, yeah, squeeze around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my other one is Lacocious or Mitch McGovern? Lacocious. Lacocious. Yeah, Mitch has been pretty injury-ridden. Yeah, I agree. Ridden. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. and, and inconsistent. You know, yeah. have we we haven't seen him string a season together. Mm. The talk of Lukosius being an immense talent. Um, yeah, well, I think we'll go for the unproven face. Yeah, let's gamble. Now, this Baz's Bake is ga- gaining momentum. I saw the quality of the notes that he wrote last week. Karen Wilson has Caro's Arrow. And just before I go to Baz's Bake, did you notice Caro's Arrow this week? It was on yes. pre-game entertainment. Yeah. Yes, and your hat's off to you too. Thank you. You, you are an, a hidden gem, you are, in some of your thoughts. Thank you. Uh, Plough backed up Caro too. I don't think yeah. that's many times that Terry Wallace would have done that, but clearly uh, pre-game entertainment and fan... Uh, engagement is uh, big on the agenda. Yeah, and Caro's arrow led with that this week, but we've got Baz's bake. Okay, here we go, guys. I've got uh, a bit of a different one for you this week. I've got a man called Luciano Acosta. Do you know who he is, boys? No, I do not. He is, he's another celebrator. (laughs) Okay, now, the game was DC United versus Orlando City in America, obviously. And um, it's a soccer game. Wayne Rooney is the star for DC United. Okay, the scores are locked at two all. It's ninety fourth minute. Okay, so the game is is just about over, and Orlando City are running into an open goal. There's no one. Everyone was forward. Wayne Rooney gut runs. He just pushes. It's one of the most brilliant sprints I've ever seen. He does an unbelievable tackle. He knocks the ball clear, and then does this amazing, do we call it volley? Do we call it pass? What do we call it? An assist. Assist. <laughs> enormous pass. 80, it would have gone 80, 80 metres to Luciano Acosta's head. He knocks it in. The game is won for DC United. And then old mate Luciano just charges <laughs> off into the crowd. <laughs> it, 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 the crowd's hugging him. Poor old Rudy. Make sure you have a look at this, uh, followers, because he... he Face have tweeted out. Yeah, have a look at this because Rooney is in the other end of the pitch with no mates. No one, no one goes near him. Luciano Costa is getting absolutely hugged and kissed and adulation uh, for years, or, like from the crowd. I think I'm calling you a selfish, selfish man, Luciano. <laughs> like, and it's a bit rich me saying this because I love to go. I love the celebration mm. too, but I think AFL and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of baking this more towards soccer players because AFL players and let you, you let me know what you think. AFL players do congratulate each other when we mm. get a goal, yeah. whereas the soccer players they just Very, bugger off yeah, into the selfish, crowd. Yeah. Go, go it's ahead. all about me, me, me. And you yeah. know how they point, they yeah. raise their fingers above their yeah. head and point to their name and stuff. Yeah. I think that these guys, they need to, to thank the provider. Yeah. It's like the wife getting tea and you eating tea and going, how good is this? Mm. This tea's amazing. But you need to thank the wife as well. It's interesting. When I uh, spent some time living in London, I loved reading the papers about the English Premier League. And one thing that I really picked up was the difference in what they used to say compared to AFL sporting culture. Yep. It, was, it was absolutely fascinating, actually. So the AFL sporting culture was about the team and the environment and the culture. And it also... Um, talked about would talk up the opposition as well. Yes. But the criticism that the English and I think that some of the European influence was also quite interesting as well with how they would actually talk down the opposition and talk them themselves up individually and how they're going to beat the opposition. So, yeah, it was a fascinating insight into the difference and Australians were very measured mm. and uh, to listen to some of their feedback was is. Interesting insight, actually. They're big about the fans over yeah, there. Yeah, massive, they? massive. Yeah, it's the, all the about fans the fans. Is massive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it is a great culture over there. That, that the support that they do and the, the way they go nuts mm. compared to our crowds. Yeah. We basically sit in silence, don't we? That's right. A train ride to a 
English Premier League game is one of the best experiences that you can have. Yep, I'll be sending Charlie, Lola and Holly over to England to experience <laughs> that because it is sensational. It's hard not to get immersed and have a yep. love for the game after yep. that. Work yep. behind the bar of the white swan? Yes, yes mate, okay. yes. So that's my bait, boys. So a bit of a different bait, but uh, get yourself around that uh, that bit of... We'll tweet that yeah. out during the week and uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Um, interesting, uh, Baz's bait. Uh, especially considering you have uh, you had a five minute masterclass on Twitter last week, Baz, and your Twitter has gone through the roof just quietly. So following Wayne Rooney's goal, you actually replied um, to the MLS, which is the basically the major league yes. soccer league yeah. over there, and to uh, Sir Wayne Rooney himself. <laughs> um, and you got a lot of love for it. Yeah. <laughs> you have. Uh, it, hang on. Does he know that he got any sort of like well, Twitter reaction? The, the on... only issue he did do is he put the wrong hashtag in for Funky Baz Face. It, mm. Apart from that, you actually got the equivalent of a 32 love hearts, 32 likes, mate, for your comment, which was surely his teammates need to show Rooney a bit more uh, for that incredible effort. That's and look, a, people that, all around the world that agreed with well, you. So I, was well done, a, I was sort of just laying down next to the wife, you know, 2, 3 a.m., and I heard ding, 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 <laughs> ding. And the wife thinks, what's going on here? Yes. Is he having some sort of interlude? Or <laughs> but no, it was just my Twitter love. I, so he's got massive... Twitter reaction so, from that yeah. with their wrong Twitter handle. Yeah, agree. So clearly just not having the greatest impact for our podcast, yeah. but no, it's all, all about yeah. you. Yeah. But uh, that is uh, about 32 likes that's um, gone to number two of our reactions for the year. Um, faces tweet of the week, boys. Now, clearly I'm under pressure, and I can see your glaring eyes, and I'm uh, just sweating it the up. The finger here is on hovering a, over the stop button here. On a six-degree night. A contender one for... Faces tweet of the week, Tiger Woods. Uh, did anyone watch the golf during the week? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so golf during the week, there was a tweet out from um, Adam Bernardi. He said, uh, I refuse to believe that Tiger Woods raising the PGA Championship ratings by 69% is an absolute coincidence. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> I, read that. Yeah, I read that one. Did anyone see the winner and um, how happy he was? His name was Brooks Kopka. Um, after the after the final part, they all celebrated. It was great. They go in and sign their cards. Typical with golf. Um, his wife came up to congratulate him. She, she was pretty happy to see her husband just win a major tournament. You should have seen her face when she saw Tiger Woods. The man has still got it, boys. It, there is the photo. There, she is absolutely overjoyed. She got a hug from the uh, yeah. Mr. Woods himself. That's a good one. Put that on so our followers can. Yes. Um, what, what are we going to call our followers? You know, like Triple M Fans. do. Well, fans, yeah, but Triple M do family. I, I think we can do something, you know, probably a bit better than our um, they, our, our competitors, Triple M. How about our mm. brothers? Oh, I like that. Mm. You happy with that? And sisters. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. um, yeah very good. If you've got any ideas during the week about what you can be called as followers, please uh, let us know. But brothers and sisters, I think, is the mm. early running. Very mm. good. Yeah, very good. Uh, number two uh, relates to the Melbourne Football Club, obviously, after their uh, capitulation last week to Sydney. Uh, the stats man, Sir Swamp Thing. How's this for a win-loss... You loss? have raised Sir Swamp Thing before. Yeah, a win-loss percentage for Melbourne in 2018. So, versus the current bottom nine sides in the AFL, Melbourne have a 12-1 win-loss ratio. Versus the current top nine, Melbourne have a 0 and 7. So, how are they going to go in finals, boys? Not very well, I wouldn't have thought. No. Nice. And yeah. they play West Coast to a second and GWS third in the final two rounds. So, if you're a Melbourne supporter, 
I would think that you're in for oh, a If Melbourne miss out, if they if they come ninth, ninth again, they're, they're the new it's the new, new Richmond. Richmond. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I still think they're going to be okay mm, long term. I mean, yeah, they got I too much talent. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we should hold five. But yeah, they they should be making it this year, shouldn't they? Speaking of uh, Melbourne supporters, Titus O'Reilly, who is a Melbourne supporter, he said the great thing about being a Melbourne supporter is everything just becomes one huge bundle of sadness, so you don't have to worry about individual events. I think that season might continue for him. Uh, Contender number three is Titus, and he was talking about uh, Nathan Brown and his hit on Essendon's Adam Saad. He said uh, Nathan Brown will miss three weeks, which coincidentally is the time between Adam Saad disposing of the ball and Brown actually collecting him. Contender number four, Tom, Tom yeah. Richardson. He's, uh, he's improving. Uh, yeah, he's, he's been better this week. Yeah, he is, Thanks, he is boys. Think what our brothers and sisters yeah, yes, think of that. Yes. A, a, a little bit less silence after my last tweet would be good. <laughs> um, contender number four, Tom Richardson, who's uh, in dailies uh, uh, and touch of the fumbles, uh, massive crow supporter. Uh, he was um, he was actually trolled during the week, boys. He he put out his article. A bit like us. So we yeah. so we can sort of touch base yeah, with Richo. We're basically. Yeah. Um, uh, kindred spirits now um, he got trolled saying about his uh, opinion of Adelaide saying that's pretty hollow being at 12th position being Adelaide he said I don't consider myself 12th I prefer to call it draft pick number 7 nice face I like that one that's very good but the winner boys and I've made it short and sweet this week but the winner uh, has anyone watched The Bachelor or no, a uh, little bit, little bit of it. I watched. Obviously, bit, Nick yeah. Cummins, he's the the Wallabies or mm. um, the Reds winner. Yeah, or yeah. yeah. Um, it's a bit of a home and away reference to uh, Nick Cummins, the Honey Badger. But Sean Cullen at Sean Cullen said uh, on Nick Cummins, he looks he looks like Alsa but speaks like Alf. Oh, I like that. So you can imagine that. The blonde blonde curls and there he is going, you're flaming mongrels or something like that. That's good. So, uh, boys, that is my winner for episode 11's Tweet of the Week. Oh, well done. So you're under pressure there. You're under pressure in your delivered, which is what Funky Baz and Face is all about. Yes. We're interviewing Scott Burns, our local legend, who's a national legend, and obviously the podcast cuts out 16 times. So... um, (laughs) Just on yeah. that, boys, actually, with Burnsy being uh, a special guest tonight, I thought, how about I try and tie in Scott Burns and Twitter? But I think he's lucky enough that his career uh, finished just before Twitter you know, got hold of everyone getting um, smashed. So the last two tweets I could find was from 2011-2012, where Jay Clark from the Herald Sun writes, Pyre's assistant coach, Mark Neal, down to the final two in the race for the Crows coaching gig. Scott Burns still the favourite. So wow. clearly that didn't happen. Obviously, mm. Sanderson got the gig and wow. Mark Neal went for Melbourne. Uh, and the other one was clearly from a fan. Uh, Tommy said, uh, Scott Burns personified Collingwood, my favourite player to ever pull on the Guernsey, number 17. Very good. Big rap for uh, our local legend. Boys, thanks for tonight. It's very mate, I, before you finish, mate, I've got something that has to be addressed. Okay, now... Funky, if you have a, a family day out, mate, where would you go? <laughs> oh, I know where this is going. Where would you go? I might go down the beach or Henry Square. Down the Square beach? I might go to Harndorf. Yep. Okay, I'd get all the kids together. Yep. Okay, it'd be a special outing. We'd go to Harndorf. We'd go to Henley Beach. We might go to the Barossa and McLaren Vale. This is a stitch up, that's Okay. Now, 
This sounds like an add-on, doesn't it? This is another Baz's bacon. Now, face, once you get all the kids in the car and you get your lovely wife, Sinead, and that in the car, where do you head off for your family excursion? Oh, we do lots. It depends if it's a monthly excursion or if it's a weekly need basis, Baz. Where he goes is that he goes to Audi, he goes to Foodland, he goes food shopping. But they go all together as a family. Now, I want to ask you this, right? What really gets the adrenaline flowing? Is it aisle eight in the flour, the burrito aisle with the brown sugar? Or is it the cold food section with the cabanas, the olives, the, the pressed meat? What really gets you going, buddy? Well, it is um, in Audi, there only are five aisles, so there is no aisle eight. But it really is uh, educating my children about the different foods that are available and the, the fresh foods. Teaching them about... Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no it's it's a the funny thing is about them all going grocery shopping together on yeah. their outing on a Saturday is yeah. it, it's such a pursuit where really only one person does it by themselves. Like, <laughs> I might take Ollie, whack him in the pram. Go out. But go, boys, go out hey. But to get everyone together, it's like going to the Royal Show. And it's like their kids go to the Royal Show every week Wait. to Coles. <laughs> and then we don't have to go in September to the Royal and I'm Show. With the I'm with the Barossa footy boys you know, yeah. out there winning grand finals and you're shopping, mate. You, you need to don't get pretend, back to the walkable cats, mate, or something. Don't pretend you're still playing. And no, I, very I love my walkable cats. You know that. <laughs> Thanks, Monkey. Thanks, Baz. Thanks Thank for the chat, everyone. Um, chat to you all next week. See you, hey. brothers and sisters. And uh, hopefully you've all enjoyed uh, Scotty Burns, our local legend. See you, everyone. Bye.